Ohio Habla es un podcast que nace del proyecto Narrativas Orales de Latinos en Ohio, Oral Narratives of Latinos en Ohio. Exploramos la experiencia latina con entrevistas en español, inglés y spanglish. Welcome to Ohio Habla. I'm Elena Fallis, and I'm happy to have Dr. Ashley Perez in the studio today. Ashley is an assistant professor of world literature at The Ohio State University. She's also a novelist and my good friend. <laughs> Ashley writes young adult fiction. She's the author of What Can't Wait, The Knife and the Butterfly, and her most recent novel, Out of Darkness, published in 2015, which received the 2016 prestigious award Tomás Rivera's Mexican-American Children's Book Award. Ashley, welcome to the podcast. Gracias. Thanks for having me. Tell us about your development as a writer. When did you decide you wanted to become one? I think I was always writing. So I was the kind of kid who had a diary oh, and okay. actually wrote in it. And I, I would make little stories and then bad poetry in middle school and stories later again. And in college, I think I was like the high point of my um, career as a college student was paying my rent one month with writing contest earnings. So I, I was pretty I was pretty set on writing as something that would be part of my life um, from early on. But it was I didn't necessarily have writing young adult fiction in mind. And that I think that that's the more fun part of the story, because I had this passionate um, engagement with language and interest in literature. But I didn't necessarily know what audience mattered most to me. And, and so I think had it not been for my students when I was a high school English teacher in Houston, um, they became a really urgent and important audience to me. And so I think that's that is what brought me into writing young adult fiction, um, the conversations with them and their and their just their presence there as a real audience um, that I wanted to reach. That was brought, what brought me to um, young adult fiction. And I'm always so grateful because I think the YA conversation, like what, the conversation that's happening among books and young adult fiction is to me one of the most vibrant and exciting conversations. And it's also the place where there's the most activism and engagement around um, whose stories are getting told, mm -hmm. uh, which is also really important to me. So my my kiddos in Houston who are now totally grown ups, they're not <laughs> even they're not even college students anymore. They're like professionals and parents and mm -hmm. big, but they still in my mind they're forever seventeen and eighteen year, years old. And um, yeah, they're the ones who do get the credit for making me a YA writer. Right. That's interesting to hear because um, a lot of times when we hear uh, writers talk about their writing, um, especially when we hear interviews about um, writers from a marginalized mm -hmm. background, they talk about the stories that they didn't read growing mm -hmm. up and they wanted to create something that they um, where they could see themselves in it. Yes. And in your case, mm -hmm. you thought a lot about your audience and, and, and those students that you were teaching and how their stories were were valuable in their point of view. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's um, I like that perspective as well. Yeah, I mean, I actually think that that's that is the 
I mentioned that my audience was both um, like immediate. They were present to me. They were there in the classroom with me. And after my first year of teaching, when I was really just sort of like pretending to be a teacher, I feel like I would, didn't I, I, I kept thinking someone was going to walk in and find out, like be like, you're not really a teacher. And I'd be like, you're right. But once I actually re- kind of settled into myself a little bit more um, and was willing to be a human being with my students, you know, they knew things about me like that I, that I didn't just teach English. I actually wrote because I would write with them when we would do, they would be working on assignments. Um, and so they really, they really challenged me to, um, connect that aspiration of being a writer or writing writing a novel to um, their desire to, like you said, see themselves and not just Latinos, but to see their particular um, experiences and mm-hmm. struggles and what the character of, you know, just navigating school and family commitments, what that felt like to them. They wanted to see that. And I really, we I'm a pretty skillful, like, book peddler or dealer or whatever you want to say like I'm I'm I'm, was pretty passionate about connecting my students with books that they would love and I did that successfully but there was this book that they wanted to read and it was about them Mm. and so I needed you know I ultimately just sort of took that as the invitation to write what can't Mm. wait and Mm -hmm. and get and that was my my present to my students the last year that I taught all of my students were seniors Mm. which was helpful because I don't know if I could have left at that you know it would have been hard to leave with you know some of my kids still kind of moving through the school I wanted that sense of completion and uh what can't wait was my graduation present to them it was I mean it was just a draft it was this pile of papers stapled together but it really mattered to me to follow through on this kind of crazy promise I'd made that I'm going to, okay, I'm going to write a novel about, you know, us, your experiences, um, this community. Mm. And I, I put myself in the book as the, you know, the teacher who makes all the mistakes, (laughs) but um, their stories and their experiences are really folded in, in all kinds of ways in that, um, in that novel. And it's been, it's been really special to reconnect with them when I go, back to Houston and sort of see how, um, you know, what their, what their lives have been like. And, um, I, although I've been really excited, like things like becoming a published author and, you know, someone can walk into a bookstore and buy my book. That's great. But I was really sharing that work with my students and having it matter to them. That is when I felt like an author, like not just someone who writes, but an author as as someone who shares the stories Mm. with other people. Mm. Um, so that was a pretty, transformative experience for me uh, to get to have that share that experience with uh, share that share that work with them Mm, that's great how does your work as a writer of fiction help you teach fiction uh, especially now that you're here Mm. at the Ohio State University yeah and well I mean one thing I should say is I teach so I teach literature not like creative writing a lot of people assume Mm -hmm. like oh you must teach creative writing Mm -hmm. Um, and I do I teach um I really like teaching this first year seminar course on the creative habit, which is a little kind of like a little playing around with not just writing, but creativity in general. But for the most part, I'm teaching literature classes. And so I think that the main contribution that my 
being an author makes to the class because I'm pretty low profile about it. I'm not like I don't teach my own book. That would be really <laughs> awkward. Um, or, you know, I don't really talk about myself as an author that much. But there are a few moments where it's I think it's really helpful. And and I love that I can speak both as an author and as a former English teacher, because so many of our students ideas of what literature is and what the study of literature is come really those ideas come from their previous experiences. And for mm-hmm. some of the students in my, like, for, especially in my introduction to world literature's course, the last time they were in a literature class was in their high school. Mm-hmm. And so I can speak as an author with some authority <laughs> about the fact that, you know, as, as writers, we are, we are envisioning a world and we're sharing it with readers, but we're also relying on readers to activate the possibilities of the mm-hmm. text that we've written. And all, and that means that we make more meaning than we know what to do with. There's more there's more going on in the text. There's more um, there are more images and more connections than we have patterned out. And so I think that that is an important thing for me to share with them because they 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 sometimes come with this sort of idea that meaning is like something that the author has sort of stuffed into these little Easter eggs Mm -hmm. and then like hidden all over the text, (laughs) which I think that often comes from how literature has been presented to them in their previous um, experiences often in high school. So I can like say it a little teasingly because I was a high school English teacher. I'm like, this is not an Easter egg hunt. We're not, we're not like hiding, hiding these little secret meanings and tucking them away. There are all kinds of possibilities. And then you as readers are kind of identifying constellations of images and details and using that to enrich what you're already, what your brain's already doing with just like following the plot of a story or paying attention to the characters. Um, So I I think we have a lot of fun around around that little switch that they, I think, pretty much all make by the end of the semester where they're understanding what a text is and how it works and how meaning is co-created by um, the text and the author behind the text and the reader, um, that it's not just something that's sort of all packed up there in the in the book. Great. I know part of your work as a researcher is looking at young adult novelists, such as the work of Isabel Quintero. Can you tell us more about that? Yay, I love Isabel. Um, so Isabel Quintero is uh, the author of um, Gabby, A Girl in Pieces, which is one of my um, favorite young adult novels. And I, I, I'm, I'm going to talk about, I want to talk about a couple of people's work. But um, I love, I, I, for anyone who hasn't read, who's listening and mm-hmm. is like, ooh, book recommendation time. Um, Isabel Quintero's uh, novel, Gabby, A Girl in Pieces, um, is... Just, it's doing so many wonderful things. I could talk about it for the rest of the podcast, but <laughs> I just want to foreground that it is, it's really um, the work that is pushing the envelope most in terms of what, um, what YA does with Spanish, the integration of Spanish into mm-hmm. um, literature. And it's such a departure from this very, the sort of longstanding pattern, which I break in my books, but um, needed more breaking of this very kind of cushioned inclusion of Spanish where, you know, things like you're, you're, you're basically having an instant translation of any Spanish that shows up and, or a glossary, God forbid. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know how I feel about those. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, Isabel Quintero is just beautifully, um, seamlessly incorporates Spanish. And it's not just that it's there in a way that feels, feels really good for the reader. It's, 
it's also playing off of the English in really important ways. So there's kind of meaning gets made differently in Spanish and in English. And then there's this great interplay. And then there's also, you know, just beautiful kind of um, cultural references like that, you know, the, her mother's chancla. And, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, she's just she's working with that material and in, in in these very playful but also nuanced ways i love that book can you tell yeah um and then <laughs> my daughters I, do, do they, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i'm sure they did i mean I, I think it's you know it's really interesting to me i like i actually teach that book occasionally in my uh literature in the self class and it's so interesting to me it m- creates this really great opportunity for reflection on how we come to think about literature because um i i often uh will teach you know we teach we teach novels all the time that happen to center a male um, pr- perspective, mm-hmm. and and there's an, there's never you know I've never experienced pushback from young women saying like I just can't identify with this character, but with Gabby, um, it it never fails that there's some young man who says something like mm-hmm. I just couldn't identify with you know it's all about like this girl's experience and this this and that and it just doesn't relate to me and so that is always a moment that I'm waiting for a pounce mm-hmm. on it mm-hmm. to help them think about you know who's Whose experiences do we assume um, are universal and whose experiences do we assume are somehow only relevant to other people just like that? And I, I, I mention that because I'm, uh, I'm often wanting to advocate for um, Latinx literature as literature for all readers. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, my, my books, like I, my first audience that matters most to me is my former students and, you know, and kids like them. But Ultimately, I want I want people to be attending to what 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 kind of amazing literature is getting produced um, that engages with these with these vital American experiences. So, um, I love just to drop a couple of other um, books that mm-hmm. I've I've really been enjoying and I've worked with in my research. Um, Daniel Jose Older's um, Shadow Shaper series, mm-hmm. really really interesting and rich, and I. Just finished an article about that series where I'm looking at how how it shows the the cultural wealth of the community and that you know this is a space uh, a place where um, whereas like a lot of mainstream YA learning happens in school um, in this book school's almost it's almost a prison space it's not a very alive space when the mm-hmm. characters are there um, you know they have they not all of their humanity goes in with them um, whereas the community. Their, fi- their family networks, they're kind of, they kind of co-mentor each other and ha- engage in this, all this cool activism. That is where transformative education lives in their lives. And that, that series just shows so powerfully um, a counter narrative to this sort of idea that like Latinos are disengaged from education. It's not that they're disengaged from education or that these youth who are also other youth of color, um, they're not disengaged from education. They're detached from this educational model that really doesn't serve them, mm-hmm. but they are creating their education on the streets and in, in, in family spaces. Mm-hmm. So I really, I really admire um, that work. And then you know, just one other book that I won't talk about a lot, but um, I just read um, Nonica Ramos's uh, The Disturbed Girls Dictionary, which I I bawled, I cried. Like, mm-hmm. it was just, I just wanted to tear down um, this character's, the whole structure and give her a better world. Um, mm-hmm. It was, but it was, it was really, uh, it was really intense and moving. So those mm-hmm. are a couple that I recommend. Great. I'll, I'll, I look forward yeah, to reading for them girls, too. too. Yes, absolutely. 
Uh, well, I'm a fan of Out of Darkness. First of all, because it centers around a community and an event that many of us don't know about. Mm. And it gives us the perspective from the people who were most affected by it, African-Americans and Mexican-Americans. But it's more than that. Can you talk about the complexity of this work? Mm. Thanks. It's a nice, nice introduction. Um, yeah, well, I think that the, the, you alluded to the event, but since not many people know about mm-hmm. it, I'll explain a little bit that um, this, so this is a book that it, it takes a historical event, uh, which is a s- school explosion that happened in East Texas, um, actually very close to where I grew up. So um, you would have thought I would have known about it, but I really, I really didn't know about it growing up. Um, and it was a it was a caused by a gas leak in the school, and about three hundred people died. Um, and it's interesting because I love the way you introduced the um, the book because what I want is my my African American and my Mexican American characters to be at the center of the story, mm-hmm. um, and they are at the center of my story, but they're not at the center of the story that gets told about this event, um, which mm-hmm. really focuses on. Um, it really just it's a tragedy for the white community because this was a segregated school um, and it and I um, I think in the book show ways that that sort of notion of clean separations is not um, doesn't hold up all that well and I, I think in, in real life too I'm, I'm pretty confident there was at least um, one Latina who died and also um, probably an American Indian descendant um, in the mm. in the mix there so there was a way that though in these places where there were only white schools and black schools that um, there was a kind of uh, um, sometimes a little bit of access to those educational spaces um, just in the absence of further segregation because in places like Houston or San Antonio, you also had the quote-unquote Mexican schools where um, where Mexican-Americans would be sent. Um, and just like in African-American schools, you had a lot, um, a lot more limited resources. Um, and there was also sort of a more... Um, systematic disenfranchisement. So kids mostly got forced out by the time they were in sixth grade through all kinds of mechanisms. Um, so that is definitely the uh, sort of a background um, motivator for how one of the main characters' families ends up in East Texas. But that's that part of the book, those those lives being at the center, mm-hmm. that's the work of the fiction. Um, so I, the way I engage with the explosion, which really did happen, and there's a lot of documentation of, you know, um, how did people respond and um, what happened next and what, you know, what was, what was the recovery like Um, that we have a lot of documentation about, but we don't have, um, there's virtually no oral history Mm. um, on what did this mean for the African American community for families whose kids were spared because they did not have access Mm -hmm. to the school. And I should say that um, even though it was in the, it was 1937. So, it's in the middle of the Great Depression because of the oil production in the area. This school was a phenomenal school. They had a lot of tax revenues. So, I mean, they were they were offering foreign language classes, classes for college credit. They had chemistry labs. I mean, it was a kind of um, kind of a miracle school in East Texas. Um, and so getting to go there was this incredible opportunity that none of the black kids in the community had access to. So I could say a lot of other things, but I don't know. What do you, what else do you want to well, know? I, I liked um, the main character in, you know, mm. when she comes, she's a Mexican-American uh, woman, right, girl, mm-hmm. young girl. 
And she comes into the school and nobody knows what to do with mm-hmm. her, right? They, they've maybe in this white school, primarily white school, they didn't know who she was. They didn't know how to categorize mm-hmm. her. And, and so it, it was interesting to me to see that, right, and um, happening and, and even her having to um, think a lot about who she was, right, yeah. and how to present herself and, and her where to language, buy groceries, where to buy groceries, <laughs> where she would be safe mm-hmm. buying groceries, right, yeah. um, thinking about the safe spaces of people of color, mm-hmm. uh, which mm-hmm. are especially particularly in that era were not the mm-hmm. same places uh, that white people frequented yeah oh that's so that's yes I, I'm, I'm kind of like amening there because it's mm-hmm. such a it was such a part of how I thought about my story and where it not just where it took place in the sense of like oh this is set in East Texas in this particular town but in the sense of like where can my characters do what things and and for Naomi the uh, one of the main characters, there's really the there is one place of freedom for her, and that is a sort of um, spot in the woods that she finds. There's a tree, a hollow tree that she finds, mm-hmm. and it's the one refuge that's never violated. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know her her stepfather's house is not a safe place for her. Mm-hmm. Um, school is not a safe place for her. She goes to the grocery store and the you know in, in the town and she's asked she's told she needs to use the colored entrance and you know that this makes all kinds of problems for her because she has really light-skinned half um half siblings so she's very conscious about how she's perceived and what problems that could make for them uh and so it's just this there's just this feeling of constraint that there's so little mobility available to her and yet I just admire I admire Naomi so much and uh and yet she is navigating towards what even this just this this little glimmer of possibility this little little flicker of aliveness um that she finds out in the woods and then you know she falls she falls in love with this wonderful vibrant uh african american boy who befriends her siblings and they make a, they make a family out there mm-hmm. um and that is and that is the true you know it's a it's it's an intense and very difficult novel i just always tell people thank you for being brave as readers for mm-hmm. going into this because it's not a you know it's not a cheery book but it's i also think it's fundamentally really hopeful because it just reminds us that even when we feel so constrained by our circumstances that we can navigate towards life and you know that's something that she that Naomi um, does do and I there's a fierceness to um, how she and Wash um, make this family not just for themselves but also for the twins um, for her half siblings and you know there's a beauty to it and so that's the hopefulness to me of the novel is that mm-hmm. that this family comes together for that time um, and that they're not stopped by uh, all the things that in this the structures of the society want to squash squash the life out of them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Your novels have uh, Latinas as main characters. 
but you're not Latina. No. Nope. <laughs> uh, why write about a community different than your own? Mm. And I know that you um, mentioned, you know, this at the beginning, students, the students. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, you know, and it's one of those things where, because my last name is Perez, I, I, I feel like I often have to locate myself a little bit. Um, and it's really important to me that if someone includes me on a panel or, Or, um, it, you know, get, pr provides me with an opportunity that they know that they're not. I don't want them to have the sense that they checked the Latina box mm -hmm. and that their work is done. I'm like, well, listen, yes, these are the narratives that um, I engage with. And this is the community that um, has so generously, you know, um, welcomed me. But I'm not Latina. So, you know, who else is going to be on the panel? Um So there's it's an interesting an interesting kind of situation, but um, as I mentioned earlier, my students were my first audience, and then I think that I have this sense too of writing towards the future for my boys who are you know Mexican American um, that I want to fill the bookshelf for them mm -hmm. by the time they get to high school, mm -hmm. uh, and I want that just to continue to, to broaden the range of, of engagements with Latinx experiences. And so I, I sort of have a sense that I'm going to keep doing that until there's a, there's a reason why I need to be writing something else. Or there's a kind of, you know, somebody shows me the door. I don't know. I've never, I've yet to have any, any kind of... Um, I, that anyone in the communities that I care about, ha, ha, there has not been anyone in the communities that I care about who sort of seemed to, to think that I was taking air out of the room or I was taking space. That mm -hmm. and so that those are things that I'm very um, sensitive to. And so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm holding open the possibility that there might be a time that maybe what I'm going to be writing about will not be um, Latino, Latina, Latinx experiences. Mm -hmm. But there's such there's such richness. Um, And such diversity within um, the various Latinx communities mm -hmm. that I feel, for now at least, that I I just want to keep I just want to keep working this, and I want to keep um, building that 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 bookshelf. And I also um, see like I blog, um, and you blog too mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. um, Latinos and Kidlet www.latinosandkidlet.com, yes. <laughs> um, which is just doing a fantastic job of showcasing some of the really wonderful literature um, being produced for children and young adults that engages mm -hmm. with um, Latinx experiences. And so that's another place that I really, I'm really proud of the work we're doing to raise the visibility of, of what's getting written. Um, so right. between those, I think I'm feeling really pretty good about what's on the shelves for my boys. <laughs> uh, but I think there's still, there's still so much to do. Which reminds me, I'm due for two book reviews. Oh, yeah. If, if Cindy is listening, uh, <laughs> I'll be on it pretty soon. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I'm, I'm constantly in this sort of like, I'll edit somebody's book review if they need it. Anybody? I'm, I'm uh, too many hats right now. I feel Absolutely. Like mommy, professor, writer. That's it. Sometimes it feels Mom, like a lot. <laughs> which is uh, gets me to the to the next question um, that you're raising two young boys who are mm. Latino. And and you mentioned a little bit, right, like filling the bookshelves for them. Mm -hmm. uh, but will you ever write a novel uh, from this perspective of maybe raising two young mm. boys or something like that? Oh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I you know, I always fold 
I I fold my own experiences in in so many different ways. That's mm-hmm. that's the other you know that's another fun thing I guess about being a literature professor and being an author and getting to you know at Ohio State the um, a, lot, a couple of the classes teach my book, and so when I get to go mm-hmm. talk to students, that's really fun to get to share with them a little bit of like, oh, you know, well, I've never been in, you know, I've never experienced an explosion, but I did have this cooking disaster when I was writing the book, and so <laughs> I, I incorporated my own reaction to that, you know, just that chocolate, chocolate. I, I had a chocolate explosion in my kitchen. Oh, um, yeah, it was pretty scary actually to me. I was like, I was so relieved. My boys. My actually, then Liam Miguel was the only one we had. I was just so thankful he wasn't in there. But um, I, I incorporate, you know, like what, what did I do in that in that moment? I sat down on the kitchen floor. I was just stunned. Mm-hmm. And so that's uh, Naomi's response to the explosion. She just sits down on the ground, um, you know. So I pull in little pieces from my life. But I tend to think, usually, um, usually the question or idea that I want to explore, um, it, I want to explore it because there's something unsettled there. There's something I don't know, or I, like with mm-hmm. Out of Darkness, this sense of what did this mean for, for Afri- the African-American community? That was really a big, that really moved something for me in the story and helped me find that first I found Wash, and then I'm like, you know, I found this, this, this name of a student who had died um, and her name you know, it just it it made me think. Oh, wait this this young girl she could be Latina, and what? How would she have gotten here? And what what would have what experiences would have shaped that path? And you know, I I I find that there's a usually a, an urgency to the questions um, that I that really sustains my narrative, and I need that to be a more of a mystery than my own life probably mm-hmm, is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I would, I will we'll see, but you know, it is there, you know, we, now that you ask, there is a kind of a way that, um, it takes me, I feel like I, these first three novels are all set in Texas and then we've been living in the Midwest for mm-hmm. more than 10 years now. And the next book is set in the Midwest. So, Great, so. there's a way <laughs> that it comes in. Tell me about this uh, new work. Yeah, so I'm I'm a little I'm not superstitious, but I feel like I, when I <laughs> when I'm first writing, so many things change. So I mm-hmm. feel like I do a lot of trying to talk about a new book, and I'm like, well, this is how it is right now, but it might change. So I'm going to be very vague. But um, my next novel, which will be um, will be out someday. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's called Walk It Down, and it's um, it's it is set in the Midwest, which is different for me. Um, and it does and it does have a, a Latino uh, main character. My second book, um, The Knife and the Butterfly, actually has a, you, you know, Elena, maybe you didn't know this that it has a Salvadoran American main character. Did you know? Oh, did you know no. that? I forget. <laughs> I can't believe I never told you that. Um, but yeah, The Knife and the Butterfly has. Um, has a male main character, um, you know, a, the the focal character is male, but um, that seems to be coming back again for Walk It Down. Mm-hmm. And there's a romance, um, there's a tragedy, of course, because mm-hmm. that seems to be what I work with. But I think in this book, I'm thinking that there the order is reversed, so that the 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 trajectory of the narrative is the coming out of this. Um, pretty traumatic experience that my main character has to have, and and the piece, piecing back to together his life and finding what kind of modes of action um, really are going to sustain him as a person in the world who can no longer sort of hide behind the 
the um, the stories that he had before about who he was. Um, so that's I know that's super vague, but I'm like let's <laughs> let's leave it at that because I don't want to I don't want to be promising you all a book and then like actually it's going to be completely different. Well, as long as it's still said on the Midwest, yes, I'll be happy. <laughs> that, for the Midwest is for sure. That's okay. that's happening. <laughs> well, great. Um, thank you, Ashley, for visiting us uh, here today. It's always fun to be around you and talk to you. Uh, and and we're looking forward to that next novel. No, thank you. <laughs> A todos, gracias por escucharnos y recuerden seguirnos en Facebook y de compartir este podcast con otros. Hasta la próxima. Aww, hasta <laughs> la próxima. <laughs>